0: Lord God, we bow down before you, Lord, and we are sorry, God. We, we say forgive us, Lord, for our failures before you. And as we talk about love again this morning, God, we fall so short so many times and our emotions get the best of us and and our frustrations and all. But, God, we want to learn. We want to grow. And so we ask, God, for your forgiveness and cleansing. And at the same time, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come in us, Lord, to help us, God, to help us learn, to grow. And, God, we cannot do this on our own. We can only do it through your transforming power that you have given us, that resurrection power that raised you from the dead is within us too, that we can be freed of the bondage of the flesh and we can live for you. And God, we know that we cannot live the love without Your love flowing through us. Agape is your love. It's not our love. Agape is a love that comes from you. And as we connect to you this morning, we connect to that love. And may it flow, God, this morning. So we ask, Lord, for your touch upon our study. We ask that your Holy Spirit would speak and anoint right now. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Many years ago, in this old paper called the Saturday Evening Post, they published this article, and they called it, they entitled it, The Seven Ages of the Married Cold. Well, it showed the changing reaction of the husband's love to his wife when she got sick during their first seven years of marriage. Now, this article went something like this. The first year. The husband says, Sugar dumpling, I'm really worried about my baby girl. You've got a bad sniffle, and there's no telling about these things with all the strep throat going around. I'm putting you in the hospital this afternoon. I know the food's lousy there, but I'll bring you your meals in from Rosini's, your favorite restaurant. I've already made all the arrangements. The second year, listen, darling. I don't like the sound of that cough. I called Doc Miller and asked him to rush over here. Now you go to bed and take a good care of yourself. Do this for me, please. The third year. Hey, honey, maybe you'd better lie down. Nothing like a little rest when you don't feel good. Don't worry, I'll bring you something to eat. Hey, is there any of that canned soup around? The fourth year. Now look, dear, be sensible. After you fed the kids, washed the dishes, and finished the floor, you better lie down. The fifth year, why don't you go take a couple of aspirin right now? The sixth year, I wish you'd just gargle or something instead of sitting all around all night barking like a seal. The seventh year, for Pete's sake, stop sneezing. Are you trying to give me pneumonia? <laughs> Well, it seems that love had lost its energy, right? All through these years. But let me tell you, that's not agape love. As we return to our study in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul finishes his talk on love, on agape, by saying that love really is the love that lasts forever. And that's the title of our message this morning. The love that lasts forever the love that lasts forever. We're going to be studying 1 Corinthians chapter 13 from verse 8 through 13. We're going to finish the chapter this morning. Uh, We've gone through many messages here. Now I think four already. I think this was the fifth one. But today we're going to continue on from verse 8 and finish this chapter, the love that lasts forever. Now our outline for this morning is this. Number one, what's permanent? Number two, what's passing? And number three, what's prominent so let's begin with number one what's permanent what's permanent the love that lasts forever what's permanent number one take a look with me here now first corinthians chapter 13 verse 8 paul writes here love never fails now we're going to stop right there Love never fails. We begin with Paul now. He's summarizing his description of what agape love is. And that's what we saw from verses 4 through 7. These three words, love never fails, is how he sums everything up. How he puts a cap on everything on what agape love really is. Remember agape is the Greek word being used here. And agape means unconditional love. Agape means a selfless. Love, Agape means a love that gives, even expecting nothing in return. Even if it's undeserved, it's a love that gives. It's an action. Yeah? It's not just emotions or feelings. It's even deeper than that. It's higher than that. Agape is that unconditional selfless love. And so when Paul says love never fails, he says, in other words, love will never fail pass away love will never come to an end love is that love that lasts forever matter of fact this word here fails in the greek is pipto pipto and it means to fall off so love never falls off it's used in how a leaf or a flower will wither and decay and then fall to the ground Well, love will never do that. Love will never wither. Love will never decay. Paul's saying agape love, think about it now, lasts forever. That's what's permanent. Bruce Barton wrote in his commentary, love is permanent. There will be no end to love. Now I was thinking about this as we come to this, this description, this cap on all that he described of love. We, we ended, remember last week in verse 7 where it says love endures all things right love is devoted to holding on no matter what no matter what comes their way it holds on love continues on and then back in verse 4 it started out with love suffers long love is willing to take those hits remember that's what it meant love suffers long love is willing to take those hits patiently and so sandwiched in between verse 4 and verse 7 and how we started and how we ended, Paul paints this portrait. Paul had painted this picture of what agape love really looks like. If you missed it, grab the CDs. It's very important that you understand this whole flow of things. And now Paul just caps the whole things. He summarizes the whole things. He puts it all together by saying, hey, love never fails. Love never fails. And why can agape love never fail? What is, what is that idea that makes agape so everlasting? Well you know why? Because as we learn agape love comes from God. You remember in Romans chapter 5 verse 5 it says God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So God's love God's agape has been poured into our hearts this, agape is nothing we can drum up ourselves or or or, or mix together and make ourselves it comes from God. It's the highest form of love. And because of the Holy Spirit in our lives, because of him, the fruit of agape comes out in our lives, like in Galatians 5 talks about. And so that's the idea here is it flows from God. So it's nothing you can do. So if you're sitting here today and if you've been struggling the last week and saying, wow, God, this is hard. I cannot. That's right. You cannot. Only You can get this love through God, only through the Lord, only through him who pours this love through us. Now remember, 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. So since love is a part of God's nature and God is eternal and unchangeable, then you know what? His love is unchangeable. His love will never cease. His love is eternal. So this love now, think about it this way, this love that began in eternity will live on through eternity. That's why Paul can say love never fails. That's why agape is a love that lasts forever. That's why agape love is everlasting. You know, I was thinking about that. Love, agape, something that... It's hard for us to even understand fully because it comes from God. It, it's not natural to us. And even in this world that we live in, I mean, things come to an end, right? I remember years ago I was on a mission trip to Austria and we were walking through the town of Salzburg there and, and it, it was where they filmed uh, Sound of Music, you know. It's beautiful. Austria is just, just the most beautiful country I've ever seen there Well next to maui of course but anyway but but it's a beautiful country in europe and and we were walking through and we wa- walked down the street and we walked past this house and on the house had this sign and basically it was the house where the composer mozart was born in 1756 and i was just in awe because a lot of europe is still the old buildings but here's the same building that mozart was born in back in 1756 and it's still standing it's still there, though they turned it into museum, they painted it, they fixed it up, but without all the restoration, it, it would have just fallen apart, right? right? No matter, in this world we live in a house, yeah? no matter this, a building, our, this, our streets, no matter, you know, even our cars, they will all fall apart. Even, even landscape will eventually erode away through time. So nothing is so permanent in this world. But in contrast to that, agape is permanent. Agape will last. There's only one thing that will really last, and that's agape. So when Paul writes here, these first three words we're looking at, love never fails, it means agape love can never die out. For it is The everlasting love that comes from God himself. Understand that. That's why Paul could say love never fails. That's why Paul could say agape, hey, it's constant. It will continue on. It will never fail. That's why, because love never fails is agape love that can never die out for it is the everlasting love that comes from God himself. Isn't that wonderful to know? Isn't that wonderful to to have hope in our hearts that, you know, if we get the Lord inside of us, it's the Holy Spirit inside of us, that that love can flow through us. And it can be a love that can be constant. It can be a love that will never fail. It can be that love because it's that everlasting love that comes from God himself. And it will never die out. I was reading about number eight of the top 10 artesian bottled water of 2017 is a brand called this. They put this on their label. Eternal Naturally Alkaline Spring Water. I never tried it. I I think they might sell at walmart I was, thinking, I was looking at this ad well it's interesting how they present their bottle on their website they have these pictures and they put uh the, this, this writing there on different pictures as it scrolls through but let me read to you how they describe their eternal naturally alkaline spring water on the website it says nature's perfect water begins as a cloud high in the sky Pure rain descends on the isolated and pristine land, filtered through ancient rock-absorbing natural electrolytes, making it naturally alkaline. In a vast underground aquifer, providing a natural barrier from harmful pollutants, it arrived in your bottle as nature intended, in the last two words they put, eternally perfect. I thought, oh, that's a pretty good write-up. Makes me want to try it out and see how how good it is, yeah? How refreshing. Never tried it. But it made me think about the eternally perfect love of God, right? It made me think about how this agape love came from high above, like this water, they say, yeah? How this pure love comes through the Holy Spirit, arrives in our hearts, Lord, uh, 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 in our hearts, right, as, as a, uh, the agape love of God. I love that. I was thinking about, well, like this water, which, well, however they market it, that's one thing. But the truth is, agape love never fails. Agape love will never die out because it's the everlasting, pure, eternally perfect love that comes from God Himself. Did you know that? Did you, do you understand that God's love will never run dry, so to speak? That it will always be there for you? I mean, doesn't that give you hope even today that God, He loves you? And he loves you with this agape love. And he loves you with this love that never fails, that it never runs out, never dies out. That he loves you with this eternally perfect love, even though we're far from perfect. Oh, I was thanking the Lord. like God, thank you. I am I am so bad. I, 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 I am so weak. I fall. I fail. Yet, God, your love doesn't fail. And thank you. Thank you. I can rely upon that. And know that today, wherever you are in your walk today, no, 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 no matter where you're at, no matter if you've, you've, you've walked in here feeling condemned, you walked in here feeling like low, like, like, like feeling worthless. You know what? You're worth something because God loves you with that agape love. He loves you. He agapes you. And that love will never fail you. But not only that, that love is there, right? Not just for us, but for us to give out. That's that's what he's calling us to do. That's what we see in the Bible. That's what we've been studying, that we are to give this love. But how can I love with a love that never fails? You know how? By tapping into that spring water, so to speak. That by tapping into that spring water of the love of God, by tapping into the understanding of what it is, learn, you guys, what we've been studying all this time. Learn to recognize it. Know what it does. Know what it does not do. Know what it's devoted to, right? That was our study last week. Don't limit it by what you think it is, but live it by what the word of God says don't limit it by your own perception but live it by what the word of God says let this love flow and overflow from your life I like how the Greek scholar Zodiatis put put it this way I like how he put it He wrote, there will never come a time when this love will be incapable of performing what it was originally made to perform. Its ability and life are permanent. As God never changes, so his love implanted in the believer's heart never changes. That's it, guys. That's how to love like that. It's tapping into, tapping into God's agape love. Through the Holy Spirit. All right, well, let's move on here now to number two in our outline. Number two, what's passing? The love that lasts forever, number one, is what's permanent. Agape is what's permanent. But there's something else, number two, that is what's passing. 1 Corinthians 13 now, back to verse 8. Now, the second part, Paul goes on and he says, But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. So Paul goes on here to contrast basically agape love with the gifts of the Spirit. And he mentions here, first of all, prophecies. Whether there are prophecies. Remember what the gift of prophecy is? It's that special word or prediction that God gives someone to to voice, to say that's prophecies that gift of prophecy so paul goes on to say hey you know like prophecies in contrast to agape love they will fail now the esv i think translates this better they put passes away prophecies will pass away then paul lists another gift of the spirit tongues he says, whether there are tongues. Remember what tongues is? Tongues is praying in an unknown language. And uh, 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 we'll get really in, more into that next time in chapter 14. But Paul's saying, hey, tongues, they will cease. It means they will come to end one day. And he mentions knowledge. Knowledge is that word of knowledge we've talked about back in uh, chapter 12. The word of knowledge is to know something beyond the capability or ability of the hearer or the receiver who says. God just gives them this knowledge of something. Well, even the gift of knowledge will vanish away, he says here. Now, the word vanish away is actually the same Greek word that was earlier used with prophecy. So, even the word of knowledge will pass away so idea here is the gifts of the spirit will one day be passing away but in contrast not love love won't. now you remember the whole reason paul talked about agape love in chapter 13 was because why i've been saying this almost every week right the corinthian believers they lifted up the gifts they they thought if you had certain gifts, especially tongues, you were more spiritual. You were superior spiritually than anyone else. And the gifts was the thing. And they, they focused on that. That was the thing, to be spiritual. But Paul, remember he said at the end of 1 Corinthians twelve thirty one, he said, hey, it's great, but you know what? There's a more excellent way. Paul said, it's not about the gifts, right? It's about love agape is the more excellent way at the end of verse 12 and then he talked about love in chapter 13 and here he comes back to that thought after talking about how what love is what agape is and here he shows in the long run in the long run you know what love will outlast any of the gifts listen to what john phillips wrote the corinthians had become so obsessed with the gifts, that they had stopped loving one another. Paul puts love back on the throne. Oh, I like that. Love is the one thing, he goes on to say, in the universe on which we can count on. It is made out of the very stuff of eternity. It belongs to the ages. Time will fail. The created universe will fail. The sun and the stars will fail. Love Will never fail. I love how he put all that, and especially I like how he says, "Paul." He puts love back on the throne. I love that. That's what it's about. That's what's important. Is this agape love? I'll tell you what. That made me think how so many times we can judge and criticize and hold to our things and in a rude and forceful way when it should be all done with what really matters in the end, and that's love. I think. I, I was thinking, I got to do that. I got to put love back on the throne. Well, he moves on you in verse 9. He says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. All right, so when he says we know in part and we prophesy in part. In other words, he says, right now what we know, our knowledge of spiritual things is only Part of everything there is to know. So we only know part, and and we only know a little bit of what uh, uh, there is to know here. And even when we prophesy, we prophesy only in part. It's not the whole picture. Paul's saying, hey, the gifts of the Spirit, they help us get this glimpse of God, a partial glimpse of God, and the eternal things, but it's not everything. It's not. Remember back in uh, 1 Corinthians 8, 2, Paul said, if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, right? He doesn't know. But then Paul says, but when that which is perfect has come. What is that? What's the perfect? What speaks of when believers finally go to heaven? Then that which is in part, that's these gifts, will be done away. It will be, the word away here really means useless. In other words, the gifts will no longer be needed when the believer enters into glory and has perfect knowledge. Now, I like this thinking because the idea really is that, hey, gifts are great. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about in chapter 12 that it's a miracle that happens, right? The the word of prophecy or a word of knowledge, speaking in tongues. And, and it, it's a miracle that happens, the interpretation of the tongue. All that is a miracle, a word of wisdom. All that, when God gives you that and the Holy Spirit moves and gives you that, it's a miracle that's happening. And you're getting in touch of the spiritual realm and the spiritual world. But Paul's saying, That's only in part. That's only a little bit of it. And the gifts bring that little bit, but it's only in part. But hey, one day when the perfect has come, when we go to heaven, you know what? Those things aren't needed. They're useless because in heaven, we'll have that perfect knowledge. We'll we'll, we'll have everything. We'll see everything. We'll understand all things. Now, just a note here. Understand, some say that, perfect here paul means that when the new testament was new testament was completed gifts like prophecy or knowledge and even tongues were not needed anymore and people believe that they're they're uh in their cessationists they believe it ceased to function those gifts because they were not needed anymore. And so they believe that the gifts of the Spirit are not for today. It was only for the early churches, only for the apostles, it was only for that first church that started. But to me, it is clear, and we'll see in the next part too, it is clear here that perfect means the eternal state of the believer, not the completion of the New Testament it's it's that eternal state when we get our glorified bodies when there's no need for prophecy god will be right there there's no longer need for knowledge we're going to be understanding everything in our glorified body and our glorified mind there's no need for tongues and interpretation because we'll all be understanding whatever heavenly language is there no need One commentator said, "In eternity, we will be made perfect and complete, and will be in the very presence of God. We will no longer need the spiritual gifts, so they will come to an end." So Paul, when he says, "Hey, you know, we only know in part; we only know a little bit. Prophecy is only part. But when perfect, when we get to heaven, when that completion in our glorified bodies come, then you know what? What's in part, the gifts will be done away." Then he gives us a little illustration here in verse 11. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. We understand this analogy. Paul brings in this picture of a child. Like like when I was a little kid here, a keiki, you know, I spoke like that. Well, I understood like a, I didn't. I couldn't understand everything. My wife says, sometimes you are like that too. No, um, I thought as a child. When I became a man though, when I grew up, I, when I, you know, I didn't reason in that way as a child and I put away those things and I grew up. It wasn't kid stuff any longer. They were no longer appropriate for a grown man. So Paul's like, hey, like a child not fully knowing things, a believer on this side of heaven is limited in their experience with the gifts, limited in what they know and what they understand and their experience of the spiritual realm. But when entering eternity, believers will understand. Believers will experience it all, will be grown up, so to speak, and so we will no longer need the gifts. It will be put away. It will be put to the side. I was thinking about, you know, when, when I was growing up, um, I still, my mom's in her photo book. Still has this picture of me, and it was Christmas tree in the background. In front of me was just rolls and rolls and rolls of of cars, those Matchbox cars, you know, the the metal toy little cars. And I guess that Christmas, uh, everyone gave me little Matchbox cars. And I think through the years, I it was just collecting cars and all the little different types of Matchbox cars. And I remember bringing them out, playing with them. You know. Well, you know, you know, just playing around with the matchbox cars. But I distinctly remember in junior high, I remember one day I was looking at this box full of them, and I distinctly remember putting a cover on and putting them away. I don't know what happened to them. I don't know if my mom was like, oh, finally, and threw them away. Secret. I, I, I know to this day, I don't know what happened to them. But that was the last time I looked at them. That was the last time I played with them. That was the last time that as I felt like I was growing up, I'm not a kid anymore, you know, kind of thing, that I I even touched them. I didn't need them anymore. Now, my wife would say, now my toys are full size now. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. But that's the idea. We have when we're a child, we have our kid stuff. But once you grow up, you don't need them no more. And so that's the idea even with the gifts of the Spirit. Well, Paul goes on in verse 12 and gives us another analogy, another picture. He says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Paul puts out this analogy now of basically a mirror he says for now we see we look in a mirror and we see dimly we look into our mirror now and it's not so clear it's not it's imperfect in what we see but he says but then in other words one day face to face in other words one day we're gonna see face to face not a reflection but the real thing the new living translation actually puts this as imperfect." clarity. In other words Paul is saying now believers see God through the experience of the gifts. But in eternity it will literally be face to face. I like that thought. I mean think about Moses right in Exodus 33:11. The first part it says so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. So, Paul's like, hey, it's like we're looking in this mirror. Now, understand when he mentions mirror here. When he mentions looking in a mirror, Paul is like saying, notice he said dimly. We see things dimly. Well, back then, the mirrors was just this polished piece of metal. It's not like the glass we have today. It's not you know, 4K, you know, 1080p, high resolution. No, it's not that. It's, it's, it was just this polished piece of metal. Matter of fact, the city of Corinth was famous for their bronze mirrors. They were like a step up. It was high class mirrors. But it was still a piece of metal, polished, so you can look at yourself at, in that. So when Paul says, hey, we, we see it dimly, he really was saying it's, it was dimly. You can't really make things out. But that compares, Paul saying, to our experience with God on this side of heaven. That compares to our experience with the spiritual gifts. But one day, it won't be a reflection. It won't be this, oh, dim kind of, this is like it kind of thing. Or this is only so much. But it will be literally face to face with the Lord God in heaven. And it will be like nothing we ever experienced ever before think about that i mean when paul was talking about that i was thinking oh there's been so many moments countless moments when we're worshiping or i'm in prayer and i just feel the presence of the lord yeah or there's times where where i'm just driving and the lord just and the holy spirit overwhelms me i just start weeping and i'm just weeping and just the presence of god is there you ever felt that you ever experienced that in worship or in our prayer times you just it's like wow lord I just want to stay here. I don't want to go, you know. I want to stay here forever. That's dimly. That's nothing like what you're ever going to experience. Ever been in a service or, or those afterglows where you hear the word of prophecy going on or, or a, a word of knowledge and, and it's for you and you're like, oh, and you get this chicken skin like, oh, Lord, that's for me. Oh, God, well, that was for me. Paul's saying that's, that's looking in the mirror dimly. That, 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 that's, that's nothing compared to what it's going to be like when we're in heaven. And so Paul says at the end of verse 12, now I know in part but then I shall know just as also I am known. When Paul says now I know in part, he says what I know right now is basically incomplete. It's not everything. It's only a little bit. It's incomplete. But in heaven, he says, I will know just as I also am known. What he's saying? He's saying, I will know everything completely, Justice completely God knows me. We believe that, right? We know God knows all things. We know God sees everything about us. He sees us inside out. He sees our what's in our mind right now. He sees what's in our heart right now, the good and the bad. He knows everything about us better than we know ourselves. He knows us completely because he's the Lord God. And Paul's saying, hey, I will know everything completely, just as completely God knows me. Just as intimately as God knows Paul, Paul will see and know the things of God in the eternal realm. Isn't that awesome? I mean, right now, we we only see so much. I, I, did you notice yesterday? Those you of know, you live up country, the weather was crazy, right? The rain, and then toward the end of the day, did you notice like it cleared up? And then we were looking out. Oh, oh we, we we could see our view, and then all of a sudden we saw the cloud moving in. It was like it's like a movie. It was like it's like it was crazy. And it was, it was like moving in. And above it, I could see the tip of the West Maui mountains. But then it started moving in more. And then, then um, we, we got to doing some stuff. And then I looked out again. And then it was like we're in the middle of the cloud, right? You could barely see down the street. You, you know, it was all fuzzy, the house across the street. That's it. it, it, it it's, that's all we can see right now, spiritually. But then, did you guys catch the sunset last night? Oh, that oh, was incredible, right? We were eating dinner, I was a sudden, hey, look. I think Kristen said, or someone said, hey, look. And then everyone got up from dinner and was just, you know, snapping pictures. Right? It was one of those Kodak moments. Or do we still say that today? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's one of those moments you got to take a picture. Little by little. Then it started to clear and it was just amazing. I thought, that's heaven. That's heaven. Right now it's like the cloud, right? But in heaven it's going to be so beautiful, so clear, so like, wow, wow. Hey, aren't you glad that God does not see us in a cloud, right? Like, oh, I'm not sure about, wait, what, what about him? Well, I'm, I'm not sure what he needs. Well, I'm, I'm not sure he's hurting right now. It's kind of fuzzy. Aren't you glad? No, he knows what's going on. He knows you and I in and out, yeah? He cares for all my needs because he knows what those, those needs are. I'm so glad. I'm so glad Paul, go, Paul said, hey, God, I'm going to see God just as intimately as God knows me. So Paul saying this, the gifts are not everything. They are what's passing. For in eternity, they will no longer be any need for them. That's really his point here. The gifts are not everything; they are what's passing. For in eternity, they will no longer be any need for them, no more. So Paul's saying, "That's what's. That's why love is so important. That's what's eternal. Gifts, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it gives us that glimpse. Yeah, but you know what? That they're going to pass away one day. They are what's passing." and in eternity there will no longer be any need for them. There's that old story, you guys heard this before, of a man who found out it was time for him to die and go to heaven. So he prayed and he asked the Lord if he could bring with him just one thing. And the Lord told him no. But the man persisted anyway and finally the Lord said, okay, you can bring just that one thing with him to heaven. Well, the man happily packed His bag with what he had most treasured, what he had most focused his life on gold bricks. When he arrived in heaven, the angel said, Sorry, you can't bring that bag in here. He said, But the Lord said I could. All right then, said the angel. By the way, what's in there anyway? The man opened his bag and the angel looked in and the angel remarked, Oh, no worry. That's just pavement, <laughs> right? The streets are paved with gold. Yeah. Sometimes what we treasure, what we focus on, what we think is is the the best, it doesn't matter in eternity. That's what the Corinthian believers did with the gifts. Are you missing the mark on what's really important? Are you missing the mark on, on, on what our life, sh- what's in, what should really be valuable in our life? Yeah? That's love. What is really valuable to the Lord? What do what we read in here? It's agape. Don't go thinking that this is everything, our life here on earth. Remember the eternal values. Remember what really matters the most. Well, let's go on now to number three, our last heading in our outline, what's prominent, what's prominent. We've seen number one, what's permanent, number two, what's passing, and number three, what's prominent. And this is our last verse for this morning, the love that lasts forever. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. And now abide, Paul writes, faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest, of these is love. So Paul closes all this thought, Paul closes this chapter here with, with the three important things in a Christian life, and that's faith, hope, and love. Paul uses that many times in his letters. He puts in there faith, hope, and love. What he's saying is, see, that the, the gifts are great. The gifts are precious. The gifts are important in our Christian life but it's there to serve these three things, faith, hope, and love. I was thinking about that. I was thinking about how important our faith is, right? To have faith in God and who He is, what He can do do in our life. How important our hope is in Jesus that He has a future for us and that in the future He's coming for us and we're going to go home to be with Him. And I was thinking about how love and how He's been emphasizing this in this chapter, how important that is in our lives to love God and love one another and, 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 and feeling that agape even from the Lord. I was thinking about when I was 16 years old, we were driving up uh, the mountain to this week-long youth camp. The drive from my house to camp was about two hours, and, and about a mile away from, from the camp, suddenly my car died, and uh, I, it just stopped altogether, and we just stopped. Um, uh, someone else was coming up, happened to see me, and they got someone else who had a a vehicle to tow us to the retreat center. And so it was kind of a a, a little talk was going, oh, you know, Rick's car died, yeah. And so people were praying for it. Well, the next day, one of my friends came up to me and said, hey, Rick, I was praying, and and you know what, the Lord just popped in my mind timing just timing and so i talked to another friend and he was more of a mechanic than me and he opened the hood and he ended up actually back then turned a distributor which controls the timing right of the engine He, he just he just turned it just a certain way and the car just started right right up and it started running no problem so I was like, wow, can I never forget that. That was really my first experience being 16 in oh the Lord and, and God giving someone this word of knowledge and for a situation that I was in the middle of not wondering what am I going to do here. And he gave him a word of knowledge and not only was, was it a miracle, but you know what? It increased my faith. It, 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 it gave me hope for my future in Jesus and I felt this love, yeah from the lord and from everybody just all praying and it was a it, it was it was a great experience for me you see the gifts they serve faith hope and love it, it's not all about the gifts so Paul's saying hey now abide now what's going on Well, now what really continues is faith hope and love these three well then what does he say in verse 13 He goes on at the end. He says, but out of these three, the greatest of these is love. Agape is the Greek word there. That's what should be the most prominent in our life, even over faith and hope. Why is love to be what's prominent? Well, as we've been studying, right, love is the only thing that will continue on in eternity even with faith even with hope you see when we are in heaven faith will turn to sight right we won't need faith we're going to see God right there we're going to we're going to be in eternity we're going to see everything right there we're going to we won't need faith when we see God face to face and then hope will be fulfilled hope will be realized we don't need hope for heaven we're going to be right there already with jesus yeah one verse be said faith will become sight and hope will be fulfilled we won't need it that's why in our last point this morning is this out of the three important things in life faith hope and love love is the greatest thing to seek it's the greatest character to seek. it's the greatest greatest Attribute of God to seek to flow out of our lives. Out of the three important things in life faith, hope, and love, love is the greatest thing to seek. Later, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16 14, Let all that you do be done with love, with agape. That's what's most important. One uh, uh, pastor, commentator said this showing love, practicing love, living love, now are of the utmost importance, more important than having any of the other virtues or gifts, because love, and I like this, is the link God gives us with his eternal self. Oh, I love those words. God being that he is love, the best way, right, for us to share Jesus, to live for Jesus, is uh, to live the love, to live the love. Are you living the love? How is that love working in your life? Is it flowing in the way it should be flowing? Out of the most the three most important things in life, faith, hope, and love, love is the greatest thing to seek, to make sure it's flowing that it's working in your life, that agape is there. Years ago uh, uh, a guy brought his lawnmower to my old neighbor to get fixed and He had problems of it running and starting and all that. And so my neighbor, you know, went through it, changed the oil, changed the spark plug, cleaned the air filter, adjusted something on the carburetor, pulled the rope, and it started up. No more sputtering, yeah? No more keep pulling, you know, kind of thing. But one pull, it started up. Before the mower had problems starting and ran rough, but after the tune-up, it ran great. I was thinking about you and I. You know what? I need a tune up on my heart today. I need a tune up. My love has been running rough lately. It hasn't been been very consistent. It hasn't it hasn't started when it should. How about you this morning? Do you need a tune up? The Holy Spirit to come and, and rework everything in your thinking, in your mind, and what, what love is, what agape really is. You need to get back to how God defined this love in this chapter. Perhaps the Holy Spirit is not flowing in you like it should be. Perhaps, you know, like how fuel runs through an engine in a carburetor. Perhaps you got some gunk in your life and your carburetor needs cleaning out. So the Holy Spirit can flow through you so the Holy Spirit has control of you so the Holy Spirit can fill you so that through the Holy Spirit we can get connected to the eternal God who has the eternal love, who gives us that eternal love and helps us to live that eternal love. Isn't that what Jesus did? I know right away my mind went to Jesus and how He gave himself how he surrendered himself and that he showed that love right the greatest example and show of love the world has ever seen is the cross and that's what we're looking toward on good friday that's what we're looking at this week and how jesus went through his suffering and pain to die for our sins that's love and I was thinking about that of myself, that am I sacrificing in that way? Am I loving unconditionally, sacrificing those things that I feel like, oh, no, how about me, how about, no. But laying that down and loving unconditionally in that sacrifice. I'll close with this story of a little boy whose sister needed a blood transfusion. She had a rare blood type, which, which she shared uh, with their brother they both had this rare blood the fact that he had recovered from the same disease two years earlier made the chances of success even greater the doctor carefully explained this to the little boy pointing out that without the transfusion his sister would not make it the doctor said would you be brave and give your blood to your sister johnny hesitated his lower lip began to tremble then he smiled and said sure sure for my sister the two children were wheeled into the hospital room mary her sister was pale and thin johnny strong and healthy he smiled at his sister he watched as the blood traveled out of his body down the clear plastic tube then little by little johnny's smile faded as he lay there feeling weak he looked up at the doctor and he said doctor when do I die? See, Johnny thought that giving his blood to his sister meant giving up his life. Yet because of his love for her, he was prepared to pay the price. Are we prepared to pay the price? Are we willing to lay ourselves down, to lay our rights down, to lay, lay down what we, what we think that we, we, it needs to be? But love and trust God for the rest? Are we willing to love unconditionally with agape love, putting your heart on the line? Well, that's what Jesus did, right? That's what Jesus did. And that's the agape love that God has. And that's the love that He wants us to have. And that's the love that lasts forever. Let's pray. Lord, We're humbled by all this. I am. In some ways, I feel not just convicted, but condemned. But yet, Lord, I know the blood that flowed on the cross so long ago was your blood, Jesus. And you did that out of love. And I know that blood cleanses me. And I know that blood forgives me. It's true, that blood. And I thank you, Jesus, for that forgiveness. And I pray that, Lord, your love will flow through us. And I pray that, God, as we come to a close tonight, today, Lord, that you would help us to understand these things and live the love. That you would inspire us and transform us. And that you would connect us, Lord, to you today. That your love would flow from your veins into ours. God, help us to make the choice and the decision to be willing to pay the price, to put our heart on the line again and again and again. So many times we we get hurt and then we protect our heart and we don't want to get hurt again because it hurts. It's painful. But Lord, you put your heart on the line again and then again and again. And we hurt your heart again and again, yet you still love us. God, it is pure grace and pure love that we are even here today. And so, Lord, as we bow to you and as we are on our faces, God, we offer up to you our poor life, but we surrender to you. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would come and fill us now. There is no power in ourselves, but it's only you, God. And when I know, Lord, when I come to that place of brokenness, when I come to that place of surrender, when I come to that place where I see there is nothing in me, Lord, then I find you, and I find your power and your ability. Thank you, Lord God. As our heads are bowed right now and eyes closed, perhaps today you feel depleted, no more energy. Perhaps love has gone dry in your heart. Perhaps it's something you've been struggling with. You know, you've been hearing the messages and all these past weeks it's been difficult, but you, it's been hard and painful and you cannot love and forgive like you should. God wants to help you. God wants to give you that love and the Holy Spirit. And I feel that God wants to fill us today Jesus told us to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking that he would give the holy spirit to those who ask. And I know that's our connection through this holy spirit. If if today you want and you're asking the Lord to fill you with the holy spirit and his love and ability to love, I want to give you a chance today. Stand up in your chair. Stand up where you're at and show the Lord that you want the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. And I want to pray over you that the Holy Spirit would come and baptize you, would touch you and fill you, that the Holy Spirit would come upon you like what happened in Acts 2. Stand up before the Lord. Show Him that, Lord, I need the Holy Spirit today. Stand before Him. Stand before Him. Lord God, see the hearts that are standing before you today, Lord, that are crying out to you by the show of standing right here. God, they ask and are seeking and knocking and crying out, Lord, for that love to be poured out. Lord, they are asking for that forgiveness and forgive us, Lord, right now of our failure. Cleanse us and make us right before you. And now, Lord, we ask for the Holy Spirit. I stand before you, God, and I ask for the Holy Spirit to come upon us, Lord, to come upon me and for each person standing before you that you would baptize them, Lord, that as they pray and cry out to you, Lord, that your spirit would come upon them and that they would feel your touch and, Lord, that they would feel your strength and that they would walk out of here with the ability like they'd never had before and that they were, their eyes would be open to what love is and the understanding of what that is and that when when the moment comes, when when the time comes, when the situation arises, that right there, love would flow. God, connect us to you right now. We cannot do this on our own. And we are here standing saying, Lord, I cannot, I cannot. But when we're at that place of where we cannot, then there you are, Lord. There, then we are relying upon you. Then your strength comes. Then your love will flow. And so, Lord, I pray for myself and every person standing right now that you would fill them with overflowing with your Holy Spirit. And I ask this by your power, Lord, by your moving. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.